Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. I want to look today about uh, a certain uh, emphasis that is uh, important to the plan of God for your life as much as for our local church family. And I want to talk about how to connect to the power of God, but I'm going to talk about it in a different aspect uh, then there are different aspects that we could identify to connect to the power of God. We know that Jesus said uh, concerning the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. We know that the word of God is, is, a, is full of power. It is active and operative, energizing. We can connect to the power of the word of God. We can connect to the power of the Spirit of God. But there's a specific plan that God has in the earth, and we need to find that plan to be able to access the fullness of the power that He wants flowing into our lives. You know, in the natural, we have uh, uh, discovered electricity. There were many years that there was a lack of wisdom, and so electricity's always been here. There's been a power available that for many years was never accessed, was never identified, and because no one knew about the power, they didn't have the effects of the power in their life. And thankfully, I'm glad I have a washer and dryer today because of the power. I'm glad I'm not washing my clothes out on a washboard. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad that I've got power to help me straighten my hair because there's been a, I had to straighten it twice this morning just to get the, 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 the electricity out That's you know because of the, the heat and the cold and everything. And so uh, cold air outside, running my heater inside, and my hair just wants to go out, you know, got to tame it down. I'm glad I had some power to help me do that. And life is better with power. And your life is better when the power of God has its full connection and flow into your life. And so in the earth, as we began to recognize how electricity is used and we recognize where it is and how to get it into our homes, we, we identify that we don't have a line that's just coming of, of power straight from the power source into our house. It goes to a substation and then it is distributed throughout the community and that community is connected through the different lines, through the different wiring to the power supply that is held in that substation. So there's a place where the power is generated, and that generated power is sent to the substation to be distributed to the homes. And, you know, they didn't come up with that. That's the plan of God. God's power comes from his throne. It is sent to his church and distributed to the homes as we come to church and connect to the power of God in the local church. We go away from this assembling and we are connected with a power supply that works in our homes to make our homes work with all of the 
spiritual supply that God designed and intended. I remember what my life was like before I connected to the power. I remember what it was like, the difference between having indoor toilets and having an outhouse. My life before God was a powerless life. It was a helpless life. It was a sad, destructive life. I had no ability to overcome the addictions that were rampant in my life. I had no ability to be able to cast down the imaginations and all the attacks of the enemy that came against my mind. I had no power against the attack of the enemy. I had no power to put my life back together. I didn't have any any connection to the power of God until Jesus became my Lord and he set me in his church. And in the church, I began to learn about who I am in Christ in the church I began to recognize the uh, the plan of salvation and the victory that Jesus has made mine I learned how to cast down imaginations I learned how to take thoughts captive I learned how to walk in in the spirit and not fulfill the lust and the desires of my flesh I learned all those things because I got connected to the power supply the power of God grew in my life and connected in my life as I assembled myself with other saints of God, other believers, and learned of the power, learned of the ways of God, that power supply began to operate in me personally. It restored my children to me. I had lost custody of my children. That power supply began to restore my family. That power supply brought into my life a man who loves me like Christ loves the church. You can't get that without power. You can't connect to that kind of relationship without the power of God. But when I connected to power, God restored my life. He restored me financially. He restored my relationships. He restored every part of me through that connection in the local church. And so I want to look today at Ezekiel chapter 47, and I want us to see the church as God's substation. I want us to recognize it's when I get in connection with the local church that I'm connecting with the plan of God. Jesus is the head of the church. So for us to make him Lord automatically puts us in connection or should put us in connection to what he's head of. He's head of the church and he wants us to be connected to his body. He wants us to have that connection so that we can grow properly. Ezekiel 47 speaks about a house And I want us to read in verse 1, first of all, and I want us to recognize this is the house of God. Afterward, he brought me again to the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house. So there's a water supply coming from the house. And the Holy Spirit is always identified with water in the Bible. The Word of God often uses that symbolism of water to identify the Holy Spirit. So the water issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward for the forefront of the house stood toward the east and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. So the water is flowing from the house of God and the, the, the plan of God includes his local church. What God is doing in the earth today 
is not going to be separate from what he does through his church. The church has involvement in the activity of God. This is the place God has chosen. This is the place God has set some in the church, the fivefold ministry offices. He has set in the church because his plan is to orchestrate his will through the authority that has been given to the church. No other organization on the face of this planet, no other government, no other group of people has the authority of the name of Jesus except the body of Jesus. The church, he is the head of the church and he has given his name to his church. And so we recognize our authority is a lot of the reason. The reason we have the authority is to execute the will of God on the earth. Look with me at verse 3 in this same chapter. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the water, the waters, the waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the loins or to the waist. Afterward, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. So the increase of the waters is representative of the increase of the power of God through the local church, the power of the Holy Spirit operating through the house of God. And that increase of the power is what Joel was prophesying in Joel chapter 2 when he said, in the last days, God will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. He's talking about the waters of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he was speaking of the water at the well, he was talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. When he was speaking about the water of the rivers of living water. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit upon us. And now we recognize that there should be an increase, not a decrease, not a fluctuation, not up and down, not here and there. But your design is to connect to the power flow and increase in the power flow, increase in the plan of God, increase in the accuracy to walk in the Spirit. He wants increase in your life. Amen? And this increase is, is what we are preparing for every time we come to the house of God and connect. In Acts chapter 2, we see the beginning of the local church. The beginning of the local church. Verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Here we see a group of believers gathered together. They are assembling. And in their assembling, there was a unity. They were together in one place. We've been praying for unity in the fellowship, unity in our church body. And we are a church in two locations. We are one church in Kansas and Little Rock. We are one church in two locations. And in this unity, there is an increase of power. In the unity that we see talked about in Psalm chapter 133, he said, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the ointment that ran down Aaron's beard. It's like the, the, the dew that ran down Mount Hermon. He's talking about a flow, a flow, a flow of power, a flow of the anointing, a flow of the Holy Spirit. A flow of the Holy Spirit that increases as you bring your river of living water and you bring your river of living water and you bring all of us gathered together, filled in our innermost beings with rivers of living water and we gather together and when we all come together, there's a force, a current, a flow of the Spirit of God that is more than what I can access just on my own in my personal time. Praise God for the power of God who ministers to me in my personal time. But that's not the only purpose of his power. He wants us to come together as the church and be the light and to be the salt. Amen. So the unity, they were together. They were assembled. They were assembled. They were connecting. They were, they were fellowshipping. They were building relationships. They were there in the presence of God together with one, a singleness of purpose, a singleness of heart, with a, a desire, a gathered together in his name. Every time that we are gathered together in his name, there he is also in power and in strength. Every time. Why? Because he said, wherever two or more shall gather together in my name, I am there. I'm there. I'm there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the, the assembling, the power in our assembling together, the, the, the growth that takes place, the increase that takes place, not just for me personally, but for the kingdom, for the plan of God. As the power flows, it increases. We see that in Psalm 133. Because the anointing that ran down Aaron's beard increased as it gathered at the garments, the skirts of the garments. The, the dew that ran down Mount Hermon increased into a rushing mighty current by the time it reached the bottom of the mountain. Hallelujah. And what God wants to do is to have such a flow that it reaches beyond your life and begins to touch the lives of your, your, your family members. It begins to touch the life of the people on your job that you began to, to be an influence and to be a, a, a shining light, a flow of the power of God everywhere you go. Hallelujah. So this is why we need to connect this is the importance of gathering together, of the assembling together. The word church, ecclesia, ecclesia means to gather together. It is not just a meeting. This is, this is a divine gathering. 
a divine gathering, a divine connection. Hallelujah. That we have to guard. We have to guard this divine connection so that the, the flesh doesn't cause us to miss out on the divine connection that's available at the local church. So that offense and the enemy doesn't use, use uh, rocks and stony-hearted ideas to help uh, move us away from the supply that's in the local church. Hallelujah. So this assembling, look at Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Romans 1, 11. There are some aspects of ministry that can only be accomplished face to face. In Romans 1, 11, the apostle Paul says, and I'm going to read from the Weiss translation, I long to see you. I long to see you. I think that's the cry of every true pastor's heart. I long to see you. I long. It's a desire. It is something that is, is a supernatural part of the pastor's office because when I see you, I know you're in a position to receive. When I see you, I can identify. When I see you, there are things that God can speak to me because, I, because of your being in my presence that I can recognize and pray for you about or minister to you about. But if I don't see you, it's hard to be able to identify those things. He said, I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. That requires assembling. That requires that we be in the same vicinity because, praise God for live stream. We are utilizing the capacity to minister through live stream and through recorded programs, but there, that shouldn't take the place of assembling. It shouldn't, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't take the place. If you can be in the assembling, there are things you will get that you can't get just by hearing it or watching it from a distance. There are things that God is able to minister to you. There's a residue of the anointing that we all leave with after we've assembled together. We've, we've all been uh, partaking of the power of God, and then we leave with that power in our spirits resonating in us. And so he said, I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you resulting in your being stabilized, Romans 1.11. So the result of this impartation that comes as we are gathered together, as we are in the vicinity, this, this impartation brings stability in our lives. Did you find it, Romans 1.11? I'll go ahead and read the King James too. I long to see you that I may impart into you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established, stabilized, established. How can we be established if we're not receiving the impartations that we are, are designed, that God has designed for us? There are some things that God has given your pastor for you that you can't get anywhere else. Because Jesus ordained the pastor's office to be your feeding the sheep's food is the pastor's responsibility. It's not the radio minister's responsibility. It's not the TV minister's responsibility. They, they are not accountable for whether or not you have the correct nutrition on your plate. 
Everything you get from those other gifts and ministries, they are, they are, they are extra. That's, that's icing on the cake. That's just a little bit of a, a subsidiary. But the, the nutrition that God intended to help your marriage go strong, the nutrition that God has supplied for your finances to get equaled out, the nutrition that God has ordained is in the local church. Your pastor is anointed to feed you. And you might come into church and you say, here he is talking about that again. He's been on that subject. It's because you need it. Just pull your plate up and say, fill up my plate and start chewing. Start eating because it's good for you. My grandmother, and here I go. It's Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, and I'm about to talk about food. But my grandmother was such a cook. Oh, my goodness. But there was, during the week, a staple. My grandmother made pinto beans and cornbread at least three times a week. It was a staple in our house. It was something, and my grandfather loved it. He would take his cornbread, and he would put it in his buttermilk, and he would have that for his snack after dinner. He loved the cornbread. But I grew up having that as a normal thing. And, of course, my grandmother, she always made this amazing macaroni and cheese with, like, a whole block of Velveeta in it, you know? And so that's how I got to eat my pinto beans. I put them in the macaroni and cheese to help them taste better. My brother put ketchup all over his. But, you know, I grew up, and I I kind of liked pinto beans after that. But it was something that was always there. It was something that was a regular staple nutrition in our life. And there are things that your pastor is going to put out on the table and you think, he's preached this before. That means absolutely nothing. You might get it three times a week. It's because it's good for you. Amen? Amen? Whereas the other, other ministry gifts that are feeding just the extra supply and preaching that gospel, when we preach on the, on the radio and on the television, It's a different assignment than what I'm preaching in the local church. It's a different assignment because I'm not called to feed them pinto beans. But but we're going to dish up pinto beans here in the family, right? We're going to dish up the broccoli regularly. Broccoli is a, a staple at our house. That's one of the things we eat all the time. And Liliana loves broccoli because we started her out on broccoli when she was a toddler, I mean, when she was little, we'd cut that broccoli up and we'd tell her how great it is. This is great. And some kids grow up putting their little noses up. Ooh, yuck, I don't want that broccoli. But Lily says, I love broccoli. I love broccoli. And so you go out here and you say, I love tithing. I love tithing. I love it when pastor turns to Malachi chapter 3 and teaches me about the tithe because my life has been changed since I've become a tither. I love walking in love, forgiving anybody who's done anything against me. I love the walk of faith. I love keeping my mouth in line with the word of God. Why? Because those are things that are staples. We eat them regularly in the house, in the house of God. But that impartation comes through that connection. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, and let's see the uh, plan of God outlined in this verse, 4.11. And he, speaking of Jesus, he gave some, he the head of the church, Jesus, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the head of the church, he's governing all rule, 
All authority, all jurisdiction has been given unto him, and we're in him. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What, what is God's desire? The perfecting, which means maturing, maturing, growing up, developing. The word perfecting is a word that in the original language, it means to take it from its initial point to a full development until it's fully developed. The perfecting of the saints the work, for the work of the ministry, for the work of the ministry to have its accurate fulfillment The saints need to be mature. The saints need to have the characteristics of God developed in them so that they are people of integrity, so that we are people of honor, so that we are people who walk in love. We're governed by the love command. We are people who do not fulfill the lust of our flesh, but we fulfill the desire of the Spirit of God who indwells us. Amen? That comes with maturity. The Apostle Paul said that a mark of maturity, it says that it is the people who are ready for strong meat. People who are mature, the adults, spiritual adults who are ready for strong meat are people who have learned how to know the difference between right and wrong, who have learned how to recognize what is a righteous decision and what is not a righteous decision. Amen? In other words, people who have been able to apply the word to their life and let the word of of God cut off those areas of their flesh so that they don't hold on to grudges and so that they don't, they don't uh, 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 give expletives on the highway and so that they don't uh, uh, lose their cool oh, and, and become angry and, and belligerent uh, because somebody took their parking spot. But they've learned how to operate the patience of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding, guards our heart and guards our mind. Those are all things that take time to develop in our lives so that we are mature, so that we can do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is not for the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and teachers all on their own. They have their part to prepare us, to mature us, to help us get ready for the work of the ministry. God intends for all of his children to have a part in his work. We all have a part to play in the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. So the maturity comes as we connect with these offices, and these offices operate in the local church. And the pastor's office is the one that we as believers interact with the most. The other offices come and help support the local church. They help come and edify the local church because this is all about edifying the body of Christ. So this connection to the local church is vital. I can't grow the way God intended for me to grow without this connection. And so in Psalm 92, Psalm 92 and verse 12, God identifies flourishing. Isn't that what we want? Do we want to flourish? Do we want to grow strong and healthy? It says the righteous 
shall flourish. Verse 12, 92, 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. A palm tree is a, a strong tree. And it, the reason that it is able to survive hurricane winds on the different tropical islands is because it has the ability to bend and not break. And then you'll see the hurricane winds and those palm trees will be laid over. It looks like they're laying horizontal to the ground. But as soon as the wind stops, they come right back up. He says, you're going to flourish like that. You're going to flourish so that you are strong and resilient, so that you are not moved by the winds and the troubles that come, so that you can be a tree planted by the river of living water, so that no matter what comes, no matter what heat may burn out against in the world, it's not going to cause your leaves to wither, but you are entrenched in the word. You've got your roots down deep into the flow of the water and the word of God in the local church, and you are able to withstand the winds and the tests of time. He says a cedar in Lebanon, and those cedars are strong. They are, they are, they are fortified. They, are, 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 they gain a, a breath to them. Those, those cedars are not just little tiny skinny. They, are, they, have, they have fortitude. They have stability. Amen? And that's what God wants in our lives. He wants us to be resilient, and he wants us to have such a stable life. And in the local church, we have access to the nutrition that brings that kind of stability because it says the righteous shall flourish. And the very next verse in 13, it says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. That's where we find the miracle grow. That's where we find the miracle grow that gives us that kind of root system. That's where we find the miracle grow that gives us access to that kind of strength and resilience and supply because we are deep in the, in the water supply of God. Planted in the house of God, it says. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age they shall be well watered. That word means well watered in the original language. I changed it because I'm, I'm working on my diet here. I shall be well watered and flourishing. Amen? To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Praise God. So planted in the house of God is the key for us. Psalm chapter 23 talks about the role of a pastor in our lives. We all need a pastor. Pastor and I have a pastor. Hallelujah. We, 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 we did not outgrow our need for spiritual leaders just because we became spiritual leaders. We found we need spiritual leaders even more now that we're in a position of authority and a position of pouring out. We have leaders. And so Psalm 23 talks about the role of the shepherd it says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is the head shepherd. And he has provided under shepherds. What Pastor Steele is to us is an under shepherd. He is under the dominion or under the leadership of the chief shepherd. And what he is leading us into is what Jesus has designed for us. 
He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So, so a provision comes through the office of the shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. There is a direction and a, a safety in the role or the office of the pastor. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my shepherd is with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house. In the house. So all of these provisions that we've just read through come because we're connected to the shepherd in the house. Jesus is the chief shepherd, and... To be disconnected from the house of God is to not have the full connection to him that we are designed to have. Hallelujah. In the house, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hebrews 13, verse 17, and I want to read this one from Young's Living as well as from the King James. Hebrews 13, 17 talks about the responsibility that, that a pastor has over our lives. Obey them that have the rule over you. Now, a good shepherd is not ruling over you in an unrighteous way. They are governing the house, the family of God, in the same way that a good parent is not, is not utilizing their position of authority to undermine or to hurt their children, but to prepare their children. And sometimes the discipline in the house of having to do chores or having to be in at a certain time may not fit in what that child thinks is fair. All my other friends are out and it's two o'clock in the morning. You're not going to be out till two o'clock in the morning in my house, right? And so there are things that that pastor says, that's not going to happen in this house. We're not going to act that way in this house. Why? Because we're a family. And he has responsibility before God. Notice it says, submit yourself because those spiritual leaders watch for your souls as those who have to give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. That's up to us then, isn't it? How my pastor is able to report to God about my productivity and my my walk in the family is dependent upon whether I choose to submit to the instructions. Because as pastors, pastors can't make us do anything. They can guide us and lead us. Is that what it said in Psalm 23? But they're not, it's, not my, it's not the responsibility of the pastor to make us attend church or make us do this or make us do that. It's not the pastor's responsibility to make you tithe. But it is the pastor's responsibility to not let you play on the praise team if you're not tithing. Why? Because we're not going to have covenant breakers representing, the, especially in worship or any other area. Ooh, glory. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that it's not a free-for-all in the house of God. 
I'm thankful that there are, there are expectations of growth, that there are expectations of maturity. Why? Because they're watching over our soul. Let me read this from the Young's Living. It says, be obedient to those leading you and be subject for these do watch for your souls as about to give account that with joy they may do this. I want my pastor to be able to to give the report about my life with joy, about how he shepherded me with joy. And the Young's Living says, not with sighing, (laughs) not with sighing. You don't want him to have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, let me talk about Michelle. No, not with sighing. But then my pastor can say, Michelle was such a delight to lead in the church. Michelle was such a delight. If I gave her instruction, she submitted to it. If I, if I corrected her about something, so let me tell you all about the time I, I came into the church. I wasn't r- raised in church. I didn't know anything about uh, accurate um, representation in church. And because of the lifestyle I was saved from, I didn't have dress clothes either. The clothes that I did have were not um, uh, clothes that represented um, uh, modesty. So I'm going to dress up, right? And I, I, I find the only skirt that I have, and it came up to here. And so I come in the church, and I've got my skirt that's up to here, and they didn't let me sing on the praise team that day. And when I sat down... They brought me a cover. They brought me a cover and they said, here, honey, put this over your legs. And I had a choice to either be offended at what they're saying to me or recognize they're trying to help me. Amen? They're trying to help me. They're trying to help me grow. And they're trying to help me recognize that God has a plan for my life. And my, my response to submit is going to help me grow. But if I get offended and walk away from that, then I'm walking away from my answer. I'm walking away from my help. I'm walking away. I didn't know. They didn't, they didn't make me feel uh, uh, shamed. They didn't shame me in it. They just helped me recognize, honey, there's better for you. Amen? And so when we recognize that those who are in a place of spiritual authority, those who are truly operating their gift of spiritual authority in a way that is with love and with our best interest at heart, then we need to recognize. And and if they're not, then why would I be there, right? But if they love me and they're trying to correct me and they're trying to help me grow, then help me grow. Help me grow. I said it in our teaching about teach me, lead me. I need God to teach me. Teach me. Correct me. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Don't let me walk around all day long with my skirt stuck up in in my pantyhose and nobody say, hey, your skirt got stuck in your pantyhose. Somebody love me enough to catch me before I get to the front row and tell me your skirt is caught in your pantyhose. Cover me, protect me, love me. Amen. Glory to God. 
Be planted in the house of God. The role of the pastor in our lives is to help us grow. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at verse 24. I think it's vital for us to see what is preceding this before we read 24. Let's go ahead and back up and see how important the information leading up to this is because they're not disconnected, they're connected. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the declaration or the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now what's, all of that is talking about our relationship with God that has been provided by the blood, that we have access that was not available 2,023 years ago. 2,023, 24, 25 years ago, they had to approach God through the blood sacrifices of animals because there was no way to cleanse their life from their sin. They could only cover their sin. And God provided his lamb who over 2,022 years ago, after the death, we're marking the after the death of Christ, Jesus hung on the cross and laid down his life and poured out his blood to prepare an access for us to enter into the presence of God that wasn't available before that time. And now he says, now that we have this access, let us draw near. We have a high priest over the house of God. So draw near and come with confidence. And then he says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Often we just use the exhortation, we are not to forsake the assembling, but look at and see the context that this is given in. Because we're blood washed, Because we have access to the very throne of God himself, we can come in boldly. Our minds purged from the life we lived before Christ. We can come in boldly with confidence knowing that he is embracing us and that he is welcoming us in his presence. We can come in and let's not forsake the fact that he's blood washed and he's blood washed and she's blood washed and he's blood washed and we are all consider that you're not the only blood-washed one in the presence of the Father, but that we have brothers and sisters in Christ. Consider one another. Consider one another. Why? Because God's considering your brother and sister. God's considering them. Consider one another to provoke 
unto love and good works. That's hard to do if we're not in each other's presence. That's hard to do if we're not developing relationship and learning how to get to know one another. Provoke one another unto love, not forsaking the assembling. You notice it's not about church attendance. He calls it assembling, not attending. You know, people go to the football games to attend the game. They go to a basketball game and they sit in the stands and they attend and they watch. That's not church activity. You're not here to watch me perform, to watch the praise team perform. They're not the house band. We are all gathered together in the name of the Lord to grow, to learn, to fellowship, to, 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 to assemble, assemble. He calls us living stones. Every one of us is a living stone assembling together. Hallelujah. The assembling is the connection. The Amplified says not forsaking or neglecting to assemble. The Living Bible says let us not neglect our church meetings. Hallelujah. Look at Proverbs 27, 8. Proverbs 27, 8. As a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man that wanders from his place. If the bird wanders from their nest, they have no protection. They have no stability. The bird that wanders from the nest doesn't have that, that landing place. The isolated Christian doesn't have the adequate protection against the enemy. That bird is subject to predators. Why? Because they are out of their nest. Proverbs 18 and verse 1, and I'm going to read this one from the voice translation, says, whoever pulls away from others to focus solely on his own desires disregards any sense of sound judgment. Disregards any sense of sound judgment. Why? Because God didn't, correct, God didn't call us to be lone rangers. He didn't call us to be lone rangers. Romans 14, 7 from the Living Bible says, we are not our own bosses to live or die as we ourselves might choose. And that is how many people get deceived. They think it is an option to connect where Jesus is the head. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So for us to gain that edge, we need to be connected with the body of Christ. We assemble with other believers because it is God's design. Jesus is the head of the church and he places his anointing and his vision in the local church. The book of Acts chapter 19 and verse 39, I'm just going to read through these. You can mark them down in your notes. Acts 19.39, he calls it an assembly, an assembly. 1 Peter 2.5, he calls us a spiritual house. 1 Timothy 3.15, he calls us the house of God and the pillar of God. 
In this same verse, he also calls the church the ground of the truth. The ground of the truth. Ephesians 2 and verse 22 calls the local church the habitation of God. Ephesians 2, 20 and 21 calls us the building. It says, know ye not that you are the temple or the building, the temple of God, the building of God. And he's, he's referring to them collectively. 1 Peter 5, 2, he calls us the flock of God. Hallelujah. So recognizing our position, recognizing the importance of connecting in the local church is recognizing the plan of God that he has for our life. I want to look at Ephesians 1, and I want us to see how the power of God has seated us together with Christ. Ephesians 1 is a prayer here in verses 16 down through 23. And in this prayer, he talks about us having the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know some things. So without the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we're not going to know them. But he says that you would have this, that he prays that you would have this so that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened to know, first of all, what is the hope of your calling? Second of all, to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? And I want to zone in on verse 19, which is the third thing that he says that we should know as wisdom and revelation begins to operate in us, that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. So the believer is connected to the power of God. This great power, he wants us to know it. We're not going to know it by head knowledge. We're not going to know it by feeling it with our physical, natural bodies. We're going to know it by His Spirit, by this wisdom of God, this revelation of His Spirit revealing to us this power that works in us. And we've been talking about the power, the substation that the local church is. He says that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of this power operating in the believer this, according to the working of the power, this mighty power that he worked in raising Jesus from the dead. So he said this power worked first in raising Jesus from the dead and so the power didn't stop after he was raised from death, spiritual death, and then physical death, but the power continued operating until Jesus was seated. The power that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. Speaking of a position of authority, a position of ruling, a position of reigning. This power that works in the believer is the same power that worked in Christ, that raised Christ from a place of spiritual death and raised us from a place of spiritual death when we believed on Christ. I am no longer dead in sin and in trespasses, but I am alive unto God. I believed on him, this power that works in the believer, I believed on him, and his power began to flood into my life. And his power raised me out of spiritual death and brought me into the newness of life so that the very life of God himself is resident and operative in my heart. 
My heart is filled with the life of God. My spirit is alive unto God. I can fellowship with him and understand him. I couldn't do that before. But because I'm alive in Christ and because I've been raised, it is continuing its work in me, seeding me together with Christ. This resurrection power, this power that comes from the throne of God that increases as it flows through the substation of the local church into my life, increasing and increasing and increasing until he gets me in waters that I can swim in. This power supply that's available and operative in me and through me is seeding me in position over the principalities, over the attacks of the enemy, over the curse. Hallelujah. It says this power that set him at his own right hand far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. So this is not limited to this church age. It's not limited to this span of time. This age, it is a continual position of authority. It says this position far above that you've been seated in because of the resurrection power of God connecting you to the body of Christ. It says, verse 22, and it has put, the power of God has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the church is the body of Christ, the fullness of him that fills. So, so where's Jesus filling? The church is the fullness, Jesus is the filler. He's the one who's filling. He's the one who's filling and the church is the fullness. We are the fullness of him. If Jesus wants to reach somebody, how's he going to reach them without us? If Jesus is going to speak to somebody, how's he going to speak to them without us? He is seated at the right hand of the Father representing us. We are in a position of authority, but he has sent us. We're not seated there in this very moment. Our authority is from there. We are seated together with him in the sense that our head is there. But he sent us. He's delegated us. He has granted us the use of his name so that we can operate his authority on the earth. We are the church, the fullness of him. If it, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wants the church to mature and to grow to the point that we say, if you've seen us, you've seen Jesus. You want to see Jesus? Let me show you the love of God. You want to see Jesus? Let me walk in forgiveness with you. You want to see Jesus? Let me tell you about how good he is. Let me show you the fullness of him as you look at, at how he has operated in my life. Amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. This is why we all give emphasis 
to the local church because it's not, it's not Pastor Steele's vision. It's Jesus' vision that he gave to Pastor Steele to fulfill. So Jesus said, if you receive the one I sent, in actuality, you've received me. So as we, as we prepare our lives to be faith builders, as we connect to the vision of faith builders, we're connecting to the vision that God, through Jesus Christ, has given our local church. Amen? Hallelujah. And what Pastor Steele can do becomes multiplied as we bring our supply and our portion to it. That's, that's the plan of the growth in the local church. Acts chapter 6, and we'll close with this. Verse 1, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So the church was growing, and strife tried to come in because they weren't able to do everything that they had done before. It says in verse 2, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. He's not saying serving tables was, a, was beneath them. He was just recognizing our part. We have to be prepared with the word. And so we need some people who aren't responsible for our part to help us do this other part. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. What a requirement to help distribute the food. There was a high standard placed on those representing the local church, a spiritual standard, that they be spiritual. In other words, this isn't something that just anybody can do off the streets. We need to know that they're, they're flowing with the life of God, even in this position to dr- distribute the food. It says, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So they not only chose people who had a spiritual walk with God that was evident to the people, but then they, they imparted to them with the laying on of hands for the work of the church. Because the work of the church is some of the most important work we could ever do. Whether it is changing diapers in the nursery or vacuuming the floor, 
God lets us vacuum his floor. God lets us clean the toilets in the local church. That is not a diminished position. This is the church's toilet. These are God's toilets. Amen? They laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in DeSoto and the greater Kansas City greatly. Why? Because when we come and bring our supply to the house of God... God is able to multiply disciples. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I'm so thankful that you have placed your hand upon this family, that you have called us together for such a time as this, that you have joined us as a family of believers with a purpose and with a a mission that is center of your plan. Thank you, Father. Lord, as we recognize the importance and the value of our faithfulness and our part to play in the local church, I pray, Father, that you would stir in your people a clarity an understanding of the value of what you've called us to do. Lord, that we would see our time together as of eternal purpose and of eternal value. That we would see the relationships we have in this church family as something that we put in a position of protection. And we esteem each other with the love of God. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus.